Good evening and welcome to At Humber. I'm Tyler Cheese. Today we look at graduating college and job hunting anxieties during a pandemic, a Toronto artist's mission to spread joy during lockdown, and we look ahead to Pride Month in Toronto, which will now be celebrated by Toronto Catholic schools. All that and more coming up on today's show. Well, graduations look a little different in the current climate. Humber is hosting a virtual graduation ceremony scheduled for June 17th, but a new video is circulating that's aimed at all students graduating in 2021. The video has been watched more than 30,000 times on YouTube. It's called Dear Graduating Class of 2021 and was created by Salvatore Dema and his team. Humber Radio's Tina Nilova Ikome Likambi sits down with the passionate youth speaker to discuss the creative process of making the video. Dear Graduating Class of 2021, When I think about you, what I see is hope. I see your smile when you pull down that mask. I see your perseverance every day showing up to a virtual class. I see that you want to change the world and create a more inclusive community. A community where we can I think for me, courage is a decision. When we're faced with a tough situation, if we be courageous, it's because we choose to do something. And the reason why I think graduation is defined by courage is because at that point in your life, you're leaving high school or you're leaving university and you're making a decision to take the next step in your life. Dear graduating class of 2021, this year, you might not be having your typical graduation. You might not be walking across the stage and grabbing your diploma. Where does this come from? The ability for you to just make words so powerful. I, I appreciate that. It sounds like a huge compliment. Thank you. Very quickly, I realized that I've been given this, this gift from God to speak and say things in a very compelling way that move people to action. I'm now a full-time youth speaker, keynote speaker. I speak at different organizations and high schools across North America. I've been doing it full-time since I was 19. I'm 21 years old now. So I don't think I was just a gifted communicator. I developed it over time, but I'm also a really passionate guy. So I think like it kind of comes out in the words when I say them. When the world said, keep your distance, you selflessly put aside your personal needs to connect for the greater good of humanity. And when you got overwhelmed, you found your people, those who could help you get through this insane storm. What inspired you to do this video? I know you did the 2020 version, but is it like just a series of videos you want to do or this one was special for you? Last year, the main driver behind creating the video was a bunch of my friends who were graduating <laughs> and were super upset. and. After I saw that they were super upset and I had teachers telling me that their students were upset, it just hit me and I was like, wow, I need to make a video. So in 2020, it was based off of some teachers I spoke to as well as some of my friends. The thing that prompted me to make the 2021 video was mostly because I felt like they were being left out. I felt like I could fill a gap that wasn't being filled with this video. And being that I had some success with it last year, I thought, what would this look like if I really planned it out? Dear graduating class, of 2021. Your story is not over yet. Right now, you might feel uncertain. You might feel lost and upset, but mark these words. COVID-19 will not stand in the way of your hopes and dreams. Do you think you met your objective or even surpassed it? It's so hard to measure impact and to say there's more or less to do. I feel like everything lands the way it's supposed to. But if one person watches it and cries and realizes that 
this marks the graduating year and they can be proud of their accomplishments because that video reminded them of it, then it's a success. Dear graduating class of 2021, whatever graduation means to you, I believe in you. Don't lose belief in yourself. You worked so hard for this, despite adversity at every single corner. Do you think you're gonna release another series? I found it interesting because a week before I released the video, there was a bunch of students on YouTube commenting on last year's video saying, please make a video for the class of 2021. Please make a video for the class of 2021. And in my head, I was like, you don't even know what's coming. <laughs> like, like, let me tell you. <laughs> um, it's a cool project. I have fun with it. Depending on the state of the world next year, even if we're not in COVID, I would still love to make a video. And it might be something that I do on a yearly basis. I'm not going to pigeonhole myself and commit to it right now. <laughs> but uh, it was very close. <laughs> but, uh, but there is a possibility. And it's probably a very high one. Dear graduating class of 2021, be bold, be courageous, be kind to those around you, and never ever stop putting one foot in front of the other because your story is not over yet. It's only just beginning. That was Radio Humber's Tina Nilova Ikome Likambi speaking with you speaker Salvatore Dema. Following graduation, many students will be heading out to look for jobs. Hard at the best of times, the pandemic has made this task even more difficult. Anxiety and stress are just some of the emotions students are feeling when looking at the job market. After years of hard work, there's no guarantee they will find a suitable job in their field of study. Leah Maharaj, a Sheridan College alumni, has been struggling to find a proper job. Humber reporter Claudia Kritschka sits down with a licensed paralegal to talk about her experience in navigating the job market post-graduation. When you graduated and you began to look for a job, how active were you in that experience and how was it for you? So I, I did apply to a lot of different uh, legal practices. Um, from what I was feeling most of the time, because I did not have a lot of uh, experience, most of the time I wasn't getting any callback if I was going for a higher level position. If I did get any interest at all, it would be something for a lower position like a legal assistant or um, someone basically answering phone calls at the desk. And I know people who did get those jobs with the hopes that they would one day get promoted. With my co-op, actually, they did ask me if they, I wanted to stay on and it would have been an amazing opportunity. It was at the time, I just thought too far and I thought I would have a lot more um, chances of finding something closer to me. And at the time there was no pandemic. So I was, I guess I, I squandered that opportunity. So as much as I can say, I regret that I couldn't have seen the future. I did get, I guess, enough uh, messages from people saying like, oh, at this time we're actually full. Or even my, uh, my co-op placement officer asked me to apply to a specific job and they said, oh, it's in your area and that sort of thing. But it just didn't pan out. And um, now we're here. <laughs> Uh, and that's unfortunate and disheartening because you put like a lot of work into it, especially because of the exam. So do you see yourself struggling to get a job because of competition with others who are more, let's say, qualified than you? Or do you think it's also because of the jobs that are available on the market? I think it's a combination of those two factors. And I also believe right now, because I am looking at the job market, the, the market is oversaturated because Basically, there's two graduating classes looking for the same positions, and there are less positions because a lot of um, law offices are now doing things online where, as you would usually get something in, oh, you'd be the photocopy girl for 
six months, now that person doesn't exist. And there's two times as many people trying to get that low level position. So it's, it's just difficult at the moment. At any point, did you give up or did you think of giving up on finding a job in the major and just settle for something else for like the foreseeable future? <laughs> yes. Um, right now I'm working at a grocery store because it's an essential business and I know I'm going to have a paycheck no matter what. And I also am going to go back to school for something completely different because I want it to know that there's security in the job I'm doing. So what are you, what are you going back to school for? I'm going back to school for international uh, customs. So everything to do with importing and exporting into Canada. So it's still along the same lines of I work with the government, I fill out paperwork for them, but now it has a very specific role. I know which type of companies are looking for them and uh, yeah, that's my new plan. <laughs> <laughs> At least we have one. This is the last question. So do you think that yeah. schools having co-op and internship options can give you a slight advantage? Because you just said earlier that you had the option to like stick onto that co-op job, but, but you refused because the, you were thinking of bigger things, obviously. But yeah, in general, do they think the, do you think that they give you an advantage? I do. Um, from what I've seen, people who don't have that opportunity are basically treading water on their own. And as much as a school says that they're going to try to support you, I've looked at at least my schools. Um, we have like a little slate board that basically has job postings. It's usually bare bones. Even before the pandemic, there was not a lot for my particular program that would actually be suitable for what I graduated with and where I was planning on going. It would just be, oh, this is a job and we see that you've finished education. It's not anything to do with what you've been educated in. And that's what the actual institution I went to school with is providing us. So I think the co-op was an amazing opportunity. And I'm, I'm happy I got to at least test the waters. That was Radio Humber's Claudia Krichka speaking with paralegal graduate Leah Maharaj. Welcome back to At Humber. Concerns for public safety are on the rise in a Toronto neighborhood after a large fire and explosion destroyed three tents and a wooden shelter at an encampment early Sunday morning. With more on the story, here's Radio Humber's Kelly Luke. The fire occurred just days after a standoff between protesters and Toronto police, further slowing the city's efforts to clear out the homeless encampments at Lamport Stadium and relocating unhoused individuals to temporary shelters. Mayor John Tory warned of the city's concern regarding fire safety within the encampments in a press conference following the protest. This is the second fire to occur at the encampment. The first in December 2020 took place just a few steps away from Sunday's blaze. Unlike the first fire, no injuries have been reported. Local business owner Joel Economou of Liberty Village Rotisserie is empathetic to those struggling with housing displacement but he is concerned for the encampment's potential safety risk to the neighborhood. It's a complicated issue. I don't know if I am actually qualified to, to give you a proper answer on that, but as far as the tents encampments, I mean, let's be honest, it, it, you know, it, it was getting a little bit out of control, but at the same time, they need to figure out a solution to it without just being like, okay, you guys all need to go. And I don't know if they've figured that out yet. I can't, I can't speak. Economy holds the city accountable for constructing an adequate plan that will safely rehome those living in the encampment and protecting the overall safety of the surrounding neighborhood. 
He says that much is still yet to be done to rectify the city's housing issue and that homelessness in Toronto is a much larger issue that goes beyond the encampments. For Radio Humber News, I'm Kelly Luke. And now a little positivity from a visual artist in Toronto who wants to bring some joy to a city in a seemingly endless lockdown. Three weeks ago, Andrew Stelmack took out his brushes and paint and started working on an abstract mural called After Every Storm, A Rainbow. The mural took about a week to complete and can now be found in Cabbage Town at 365 Dundas Street East near Ontario Street. Stelmack says he's grateful to be doing what he loves and he's happy to give something back to the community. Radio Humber reporter Irina Hamenko sits down to speak with the artist. Hi there. Um, my name is Andrew Stelmack, and I'm a visual artist. Um, interestingly, I was actually a very successful Canadian um, stage actor for most of my life. And um, when I, f- I did The Lion King here in Toronto, in Toronto for four years, and when that finished, I thought to myself, what else? I mean, I had been doing it for 25 years and I just thought it was uh, there was more to life than just being an actor, even though I, you know, I, I quite love doing it. Um, but I just wanted to do more. And I decided, believe it or not, for the first time in my life to pick up a paintbrush, which I had never done before. And uh, here we are about 12 or 14 years later, and it's turned into this excellent, amazing second career. And speaking about your mural, so I've read that this is the first time that you've painted the mural. I had these, this series called The Doodles, um, and you can read the whole backstory on my website about them. Um, but they were totally conducive to going on a wall. So I thought this might be a good opportunity. This might be a good way for me to see if that works. And I think it can. And so I approached um, the Century Lofts um, uh, condo in downtown Toronto. Said, you know, look, we, there's this big, black, ugly wall. It's just horrible. It's got graffiti on it. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to look at it. Why don't I, before I head to my summer studio in Manitoba, why don't I do something to change that? Oh, so it was completely for free. Oh, absolutely. This is how the... I don't want to say out of the goodness of my heart. And what feelings did you want to evoke from people, like looking at this mural? Just joy, joy, happy, feel good. Um, it's interesting. The over the last two years, um, I started to add rainbows into my work. I wanted the color. I love the you know one thing about Mother Nature is she is never ever wrong. So. If you took brown and green, you put brown and green together, that's a tree, they work well together. No matter what the colors are out there from Mother Nature, they work. Well, I thought, you know, the colors of the rainbow, they're, they're just, they're beautiful, they're vibrant. And um, I thought, I'm going to put those into my artworks and really bump up the color and the, and, and the dynamic quality to it because I had usually not used greens or purples. Those were never in my artwork. Uh, and then I just... What I realized during this whole process of the two years, I mean, it was my, my subconscious taking over, is I love a storm. I love a bit. A bit. I'm that guy who runs out on, you know, onto the beach or outside and get stand at the damp door and watch those the bolts of lightning, et cetera. You know, I love it. Uh, and one of the great things about a storm is that after the storm, there's always a rainbow. 
And what I started to, I think subconsciously, what I was doing is I was painting rainbows because I wanted the storm to be over. And you said that you've received a lot of positive reaction. What was the best one? Do you remember any reaction? It's crazy. You know, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to, to be very, uh, to pick up something in particular because it was just, like it was nonstop. People, you know, when I first, when I first painted it, I think um, I just thought, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm painting another mural. Some people will like it. Great. You know, and, and it's, uh, I'm going to enjoy doing it and, 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 you know, Hopefully there's a payoff that people will too. But I was surprised at how much people pay attention to these things. Um, for the most part, you couldn't, people didn't just walk by me. I would say over half at least had to stop and make a brief comment or a thank you, thank you, thank you. Or, oh my God, what is it? And, oh, what, what you know, oh, are you, is this what it's supposed to be? And so we, we could have these, these little discussions And interestingly, it happened from everybody. You'd be surprised. It's not just, you know, it was the people who lived in the neighborhood, the people who worked in the neighborhood, but it was also the homeless, the people who don't have a place. And I'll be honest, I was surprised how many of them wanted to talk and engage with me. And, you're, and you go, it's just a good reminder that we take the homeless and the down and out and we kind of categorize them and we almost dehumanize them. And it's so obvious that they're just like you and me and they see just like you and me and they feel just like you and me. And it's, it's a good reminder. I, I mean, I, I think I'm a pretty good person, but you know, I can also, you learn to turn a blind eye to it too, right? We are all capable of that. And it reminded me to keep your eyes open, Andrew, and just be more aware of everybody, whether they're down and out or whether they're doing well for themselves. That was Radio Humber's Irina Hemenko speaking with Toronto abstract artist Andrew Stelmack. Looking ahead, Pride Month kicks off in Toronto next Tuesday. And while official Pride festivities have been cancelled, you're likely to see a few extra rainbow flags flying around the city this month. Earlier in May, the Toronto Catholic District School Board voted in favour of raising the Pride flag at their schools for the first time. Norm DePascal, a trustee on the board, is excited that Toronto Catholic Schools will finally be celebrating the LGBTQ plus students and staff in his community. It's a decision that many feel has been a long time coming. I sat down with DePascal to talk about the board's decision and what it signifies for Toronto's Catholic Schools. Hi Norm, thanks for joining me today. Pride Month is just around the corner and I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about the Toronto Catholic School Board's recent decision to raise the Pride flag for the first time this year. Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it was it was far beyond time for us to do this and far beyond time for the TCDSB to, you know, show our commitment to seeing and um, standing up for and, and ensuring that our LGBTQ2S plus students feel safe and supported and welcomed inside the four walls of our schools. And what do you think the pride flag signifies for the board and for the students in your schools? Yeah, to me, I mean, it, it for for me, I, I, it represents a commitment from our school board to see and support these students. And, and I think that students will, uh, with any luck, interpret this as a commitment uh, from the school board to be far more um, supportive of LGBTQ2S plus students. And I, I think, you know, this will help students to feel seen at our board and hopefully to feel safer at, at our schools as well. 
Um, you know, it, I've been hearing from people who went to, attended our schools even 20, 30 years ago, who just feel so relieved that we, um, you know, we, we finally made this decision. And, and even, even like alumni are now feeling seen by our board uh, as a result of this decision. I, I really do think it's of historic importance what, what, what we did here. And, and, you know, I'm only sorry it didn't get done sooner. You talked about the response from former students, but what has the overall feedback been to the decision? Yeah, I would have to say from students and staff in the community, uh, overwhelmingly positive. You know, we were um, we were subject to a campaign from from a group just, you know, having having their support us send us emails and, and stuff to try to talk us out of doing this. But uh, definitely from the people who I knew, our parents and our students and our staff, it was overwhelmingly supportive. The teachers union, all, teachers unions all wrote letters of support. Um, you know, we had support from Toronto councillors, MPs, MPPs, and our families. Really, you know, those are the people who, who, whose, whose thoughts and opinions matter to me, and we did we did really right by them here. Could you speak to the TCDSB's viewpoint on inclusivity in general? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we must make sure that every student feels safe within our four walls. You know, we, we can't always control what, what's happening at home. And, you know, we've seen this year in particular, like, you know, when, when they come to our schools, they should be in a place where they feel safe, supported, um, their needs taken care of so that they're ready to learn. So, you know, it, when it comes to dealing with things, issues like anti-Black racism, anti-Indigenous racism, um, you know, making sure LGBTQ2S plus students feel uh, safe and supported, we, we, we must make our students feel safe, first and foremost. So um, I, I think we've taken great strides as it comes to uh, issues around equity over the past couple of years. And I, I'm, I'm very proud of, you know, likely the mo thing I'm most proud of during the, my, my tenure here at the board. Norm, is there anything else you want to add that we haven't talked about today? I just want to everybody to know that we we are a board that sees and wants to support our LGBTQ2S plus students and walk with them. So that, that really is the message I hope to deliver. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Tyler. Have a great day. That was Toronto Catholic School Board Trustee Norm DePascal. And that's it for At Humber. Today's contributors were Tina Nalova Ikome Likambi, Claudia Krichka, Kelly Luke, and Irina Hamenko. Our technical producer is Noah Skanga. I'm Tyler Cheese. At Humber is produced by students in the Journalism and Radio Broadcasting Programs on 96.9 Radio Humber.